Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay, thank you all for joining us today. Um, my guest today is here to talk about some um, issues she's had with her husband and his health condition and how they've survived that together as a couple. So um, if you'd like to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself for our listeners. Sure. Um, my name is Roxanne, and I have a wonderful husband, married 30, oh, 31 years almost. We have four children, and um, he is a cancer survivor, so he had leukemia when he was a child. And so he's had some health health difficulties when he was a child, but as we got married, we didn't really, he didn't really have any until about 2007. And so he gets skin cancers periodically. And we had a, a typical, just a routine um, biopsy and he had got the can skin cancer removed. And then the next day I was going to get up and go to uh, work and I was gonna get up and take the kids to school. And I found him in the bathroom and he was non-responsive. He was blue, his lips were blue. And so I knew it was serious. So we took him into the emergency room and um, they had to start his heart a couple of times. It was pretty bad. They did some scans and CT scans and they discovered three large brain tumors in his brain. So I didn't, we didn't really know what was going on but he ended up developing sepsis was the thing due to the brain, the, the biopsy. And then of course the brain tumors were just pressing against the brain. So it was like a double whammy. Uh, he was in a coma for about, so gosh, six weeks. Um, they put him into a self-induced coma and then he just didn't wake up. The doctors told us that there is no brain life. He's, you, they, he's on life support. It was pretty, pretty serious. And, you know, thinking back then, I thought, wow, go from being a home housewife. He worked at, you know, Boeing, loved his job, traditional kind of family to this, almost losing your husband was huge. Um, the doctors didn't give us much hope, but he, the interesting thing, being in a coma, they hear you, believe it or not. And yeah, I believe that too, yes. He told me things because the doctor said, oh, no, no, that's just a reflex. That's just a reflex. But I would sing to him and he would see tear just going down his cheek or um, he didn't squeeze my hand because he kept saying I wanted to squeeze, but my body wouldn't let me. But then he would sometimes uh, squeeze his eyes. They kept saying those are reflexes. No, he's not there. He's not there. And I remember one of the doctors said, is this really what your husband wants? Does he want to be, is this the quality of life that he wants? And we thought, well, it's only been four weeks. So I think he's in there and I think he will come out of it. So <clears throat> he did, it was slow. So were they asking you to like, um, do you want to continue with, with keeping him alive? Is that what that question was all about? Yes. Yes. They wanted to see if we wanted to, they were not going to put a peg tube or the you know feeding tube in. And we said, no, let's do that. And they said, well, and that's when the, the, one of the ICU docs said, put, put it, um, okay, is this really what you want? We said, yes, we do. And I'm glad because he told me, he heard the nurses coming in, he heard the doctors. Um, this was of course not in the beginning, but after he 
slowly started waking up, he heard more and more. He was on kidney dialysis to save his kidneys, um, which was really brutal. Um, so he did, he did come out of it. About seven weeks later, he came out, he was ready to be discharged from the ICU. And it was a very slow waking up. It's not like you wake up fast. And I remember the whole bunch of the ICU doctors came in and they said, wow, we were wrong. He is a miracle and we can't explain it because all of the EEG said he was brain dead. Oh. Now, <clears throat> looking back, he does have a brain injury, anoxic brain injury, because they saved his life. You know, they had to save the important parts, which is the heart and all of that. Um, but he's still here and I'm blessed. We, we are, we love him and I'm so glad he's here <laughs> with us. So, so from the time he was um, in the hospital uh, with this horrible diagnosis, the time he was actually discharged, what, what was that? What was that timeline? Uh, it was about from the time he was discharged, ooh, um, from ICU. From the, time, from the time he was in the hospital and they were saying to you, you know, does he really want this to the time he was actually discharged? How much time was that? Um, another three weeks. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, I know, I know, um, because you and I have talked before that, uh, a lot of what you guys, you and Eric have been through is uh, related to your faith. So tell me, tell me a little bit more about how you and your family really relied on your faith to get through this time. Well, what's neat is we had really good church support and I out of the woodwork, people were coming and bringing us meals. People cleaned my house. I had the whole, my, my, my father-in-law was running for sheriff at the time. Tons of cops came, all of these prayer um, circles. So I didn't ever feel alone. I had a ton of support. It really was like a village. And so um, my kid, people took my kids to school so I could be there. Um, and so Eric really never was alone. I was never alone. But I also knew I had hope that I said, mm, nope, I have hope in the Lord. I did a little bit of bargaining with God. I'm not going to lie. I did a little bit. Okay, please, Lord, if you do this and this and this. But, you know, I'm, he was listening, but I know he was in control the whole time. And so for me, I, I knew that there was, this was a purpose. And we saw that the nurses were um, incredibly kind. And they said, usually they see a lot of fighting and bickering with other families. She said they did not. They just saw a lot of love and a lot of support with each other and um, coming alongside each other and um, things like that. So it was, it was a blessing, even in the midst of a horrible thing, it really was a sweet time. So, yeah. So tell us about how this entire, well, actually, first of all, I want to hear about, I know he's had ongoing issues since then. So that wasn't like right. over and done, he gets discharged, everything's fine. Yep. He's had more since then. So yes. what else has he gone through since that time? Well, the, he had to go through a lot of rehab to get better, to get where he's at now with his brain injury, but he also had to remove the three tumors and they have come back. They're benign tumors, but benign brain tumors don't mean it's a good thing. It means there's no very little space for the brain. So it can cause quite a lot of havoc. So he's had multiple brain surgeries and um, he's still continuing to have brain, brain tumors that grow due to his radiation when he was a child. Um, but he now just as recent one was a full skin graft on his head that he, it was the worst he's ever gone through. And, um, he's, he, you know, for him, there's a sense of things been taking away from him and the way he looks is different. Now he's personality is different. 
Um, I think that's a little bit of a loss for him, but his family, and he says, and I'm not trying to puff myself up. Honestly, I'm not. He just says, without you rocks, calls me rocks. Without you rocks, I don't know where I'd be. So, I mean, I think we just are a good team. Um, I was going to add also that after his brain injury, he um, didn't, does not remember who he was before. There is a sense of a loss for him with that. And I agree. He's not the same. He's not the same man I married way back in 1992, but we just call it a do-over. Like we said, okay, we've been married 30 plus years, but this is when it started over. And so we have a different marriage now than before. He's not the traditional dad. I'm kind of a, like a single mom kind of, and I help come alongside him. I do most everything, but he's there. He has said he's a grandpa or papa and he's, he's just I don't know. He's just a blessing. So we are thankful he's still around. The doctors were wrong. And I was going to make one little point. This is um, a thing that we saw one of the doctors at a restaurant and she recognized Eric. And she said, wait a minute, where are you Eric Green? And he said, yes, I am. She said, I cannot believe you walked out of that hospital. She said, you are a miracle seriously so the doctors don't always have the answers <laughs> no so. I definitely don't I can attest to that myself so um you talked about how your husband um kind of part of his grieving process is he doesn't he's not the same person he was before um that your marriage was you know kind of a start over do over um how has that impacted you and how have you dealt with that because you married him as a certain person with certain certain uh, goals and expectations and so on, and now things change with this with this diagnosis and these these procedures. So, how did you deal with that and survive that and and come out of it as a, in a positive way? Well, he it, it was a process for me. A little bit of now I have to work. I mean, and I know it sounds like oh well, you have to work. A lot of women work, but I didn't have to before, and that was kind of like I've never gone. I didn't go back to school. I hadn't. I had to kind of restart, we think about what can I do just to uh, make a living. And my husband had to stay home. And um, so that was a challenge. Plus, and it, it was a process for me thinking maybe my husband will someday get better. Maybe he will be like he was before. There was a little bit of that. It took a lot for me to kind of think, okay, this is the way it is. It's okay. And there are things he can do at home and feel um, valuable. And so we really had to kind of think through things like that. Um, and I pay all the bills. I mean, I do a lot of that, but there are things he does to, so that he can feel like, okay, this is who I am. This is part of who I am. It's been a process though. It's not been easy. The one thing I have to do is self-care, take care of myself. Um, it's very important to get a little bit of time to myself because having somebody who is dealing dealing with and it's ongoing is health issues um you often put yourself in the back burner which it's important that you do give yourself some time to take care of the things that you need to take care of health-wise so you don't get yes. burned out and you have uh children so how has that yeah. been i mean you move from being a you know stay-at-home mom taking care of these kids and all of a sudden now you're back in the workforce or school and then the workforce um, how has that impacted your family in general? It has really impacted them, them and me and Eric, because he was a different dad before. And now he's 
they come to me a lot for things. Um, they, the younger ones don't remember him before my youngest was, I think four at the time, three. So they don't really remember. They only remember him now. Our oldest was about 12. So he definitely does. Um, but they're okay with it. I, they, they are glad dad's around. Um, they know there's certain things that he doesn't do well. And so they are acceptable. They're accepting of that, but, um, it's a different relationship they have with their dad now than they used to. And that's okay. It's okay. And it makes sense too. So, um, my last question for you is if you were to be talking to someone who's going through this with their spouse, and mm-hmm. especially after, you know, you had kids together and years together being married, uh, being married, what would you, what would you say? What would you say? I know your faith has helped you, but what advice would you give someone to say, this is how I survived and this is how yeah. I am okay today, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yes, definitely my faith. And I will add that at the end, but I would definitely say, do not be afraid to ask for help. And I mean that in the sense when I was going through this situation, it was pretty intense. And I just, some people just came alongside me and without even asking because I just didn't know how to do it. So if you see somebody who's going through that, do not be afraid because they don't know in that moment kind of how to ask for help. But as a person I would who was going through it, I would have said, please, please help me. Um, and like I said, self-care, it's important to take care of yourself because it's pretty stressful and having ups and downs and all those things. And then for me, lastly, my faith, I would, I mean, for me, God is a, the filter through everything I've gone through in my life. And um, even my husband says, wow, I wouldn't have gotten through this. And I felt the Lord in this whole thing and all of that. It was um, the thing that got us through is our faith, both of us and our family too. Our family was very important to us too. So we're very, very blessed and very grateful. And as you say that, I'm thinking, you know, the doctor's asking you, you know, about him going on. That was the opportunity to uh, stop the treatment. So if it weren't for your your faith and, and thinking that this is all going to work out, you know, he wouldn't be here today. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And they would have said, well, he has a brain injury. Yes, but he is all there. He's been, been a blessing. He is my joy and 31 years and counting. So I count that as a good thing. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything you'd like to leave us with for last thoughts? No, thank you for letting me share my my story. I appreciate it. I appreciate it too. And um, thank you so much. And that's the end of our recording. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of the book, The Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival. You can find the book on Amazon and Kindle.